We found a beer closer to piss than Bud Light. This year's summer beer trends are not what you think they're gonna be. We found the new hot ingredient in beer, the ube. Ube? Dube? Do. This is It's All Beer. Welcome to It's All Deer. This week, we ex- an expose on the caribou. Is that sneaky Canadian scam artist trying to co-opt the deer name? We talk about the European fallow. What is up with those horns, buddy? What are you trying to prove? Plus, an interview with the tough the deer, where we ask the, ha- ha- the hard questions about... Wait, wait, wait. No, no. Sorry. It's they all beer. took our jobs! It's all beer. It's all beer. Sorry. I, oh. Well, anyway, all my research this weekend has uh, just gone down the shitter. I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. And those damn Canadian deer <laughs> took our jobs. Uh, how are you today? I am excellent. Jeremy, how was your NABA week? I'm proud to say that this is like the first beer I've had um, in like three days because I've, well, I say, um, uh, uh, drinking for a week, uh, I was hungover for like two days, and then I still really have, to this moment, I really don't, I'm not craving a beer, it just seems wrong to do this podcast without drinking a beer. He so, tried to. So. Uh, we, we contemplated it, but uh, we decided. We, by we, he means him. But uh, he insisted that we, he actually insisted that uh, we get this one because he uh, uh, loved it. Uh, Anderson Valley's Double IPA, which surprised me because uh, I, Anderson Valley, I love them. They are not known for their hoppy beers. No, but this one was delicious when I had it the other day. And it's got a nice citrusy aroma, a mm-hmm. uh, touch of like floral and earth and little resin to it. And I'm also, I, I had to judge um, uh, three rounds of IPA, no, two rounds of IPA, and three rounds of strong pale ale. Oh, damn. Do you know what a strong, you know how, what a difference between a strong pale and, and an IPA are? There shouldn't be. There's no fucking difference. <laughs> it's kind of like a, I mean. Remember when we got into that discussion of imperial pale ale? But this, this is. This, so. We were like Imperial Pale Ale. Is that an IPA? Is that an English barley wine? Is that it? Well, and we, uh, I mean, basically they they made a category to give out more awards for IPA, but it obviously confused brewers as much as it confused us. Early on, we tried to like, um, and I, it was it was weird because I was I judged a preliminary round, a semifinal round, and a medal round of that particular style, if you want to call it that. Which is rare, because usually you get, like, you, yeah, you bounce You don't around, have all of them. Which is super rare and weird. Um, but the first round, we tried to differentiate it, and so we really said, well, okay, well, a strong pale ale should be, like, more like old-school West Coast IPA, some more malt. It should have a bigger malt background than most of the IPAs are, have, are anymore. Because a lot of, most of your IPAs are really, really dry on the, on the, on the malt side. So they so what we discuss is like well they should have multi profile. Um, by the time we were at the medal round, it was all IPAs. It was just IPA. There was, and someone said, "Well, this one's a little bit too malty." I'm like, "Will you fucking tell me?" I'm, you know what? I'm already getting angry about it again. <laughs> I didn't even have to do anything this time. You know what? It's over with. I'm done. <laughs> what is a strong pale ale? It's what. It's what. Happens when everybody makes five IPAs and they need and they have a desperate need for attention and more medals. That's what that's what a strong pale ale is. Uh, how was how was your week off? It was excellent. I drank, I sat around, and I drank some more. I actually hadn't actually tasted the beer. I smelled it. And I was like I was gearing myself up to try it. Good God, is it better? Or maybe I'm just it's like 
I don't think it's that bitter. Okay. Well, also, again, this is like the first beer I've had in like three days, so. Yeah, and 8.8. Let me let me get a moment for my uh, palate to adjust. Uh, well, I, th- I actually think some parts of my body are rebelling against me right now. <laughs> They're like, seriously? It's like, e-break! Nope! <laughs> we just, we've, we've, listen, I feel like my organs are going to come out and say, like, listen, we've had a meeting. <laughs> this is an intervention. <laughs> I was going to go more on like a, uh, we refuse to work until certain demands are met. <laughs> we will not cross that picket line. <laughs> Try to bring in scabs. I dare you. The scabs don't do shit. They just cover up a wound. <laughs> <laughs> They're literal scabs in this case. They're not going to, sub- they can't substitute, say, for a stomach. You're like, your organs are like, we're unionizing. <laughs> don't call yourself Amazon because you can't bust this. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, do you want to kick us off today? Yeah, so we've got some sad news coming out of the Bay Area. Uh, Buffalo Bills Brewery, which is the brewery credited with reviving the pumpkin beer as a style. So we're the ones to blame. They're the ones to blame for that shit. You men, you guys are gods among men uh, for uh, bringing to us a style that is only good for about three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... That's the majority opinion. I will drink a pumpkin beer right the fuck now. Like, if I find one in the market, I will buy it and I will... You know what? I'm going to see if I can't find a pumpkin beer for us. I'll see if we can... Let's see if we can't end our summer on pumpkin beers. I wonder if there's any floating around. Oh, Sam Adams should be getting ready to come out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, there is that. There is that. The Sam Adams pumpkin beer should be landing shortly. (laughs) Oktoberfest drops on 4th of July. Yeah, um... So after nearly four decades, uh, the brewery uh, that debuted as one of the first brew pubs in America is closing its doors. Um, They had a lengthy post on Instagram uh, where he announced that he chose to close the brewery. Uh, He said, for 33 years, I've risked everything to succeed and preserve Buffalo Bills, but this time was different. Uh, During the pandemic, we were forced to close for half a year. A closure like this is hard to come back from for any business, much less a full-service restaurant and brew pub. Um, And so with that, uh, a little backstory on it, if you're going, what the fuck is Buffalo Bill's? Because uh, I was like, I don't know if I ever even heard of this I was sort of kind of aware of, of as being an early player. I was going to say, I feel like I had heard the name, but I couldn't tell you. Um, so the current owner now actually started off, uh, working for the company as a tank cleaner in 1987, uh, working for the original founder, Bill Owens. Uh, he then got elevated to assistant brewer working alongside Owens, uh, and in 1994 decided to purchase Buffalo Bills from Owens for $92,000. Wow, they they pay well. Uh, as a, they pay assistant brewers well if he was able to buy the place. I'm sure got a loan. And, I'm, 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 yeah. guess, I'm guessing there's a there's a trust fund involved. I was being facetious. Uh, so, but Buffalo Bills kind of claim to fame is they put pumpkin ale on the map in 1986 uh, when Owens was first inspired uh, by the beer that was first enjoyed during colonial America. I uh, became obsessed with crafting the modern pumpkin ale after learning that apparently George Washington even brewed an orange-hued beer during the time when pumpkins were substituted for malt. 
I mean, I know you. I, I know you can pull a little bit of sugar out of them through the uh, through the uh, malting process, but you don't get much. So, I mean, that's how to, that if, if they're using just pumpkins and maybe enough, just enough barley to convert it, that's got to be like a three percent beer. Yeah, or a fuckload of pumpkins. I mean, but even and how the fuck do you sparge that shit? Uh, I don't know. Listen, you don't. There's like so. I have so many. Or plans. you boil for two, three hours. Oh Christ! Reduce that bitch down. Your efficiency's completely fucking shot. <laughs> uh, but uh, so they devised their own, and brewery started following suit. Uh, they were inducted into the Smithsonian American History Museum as one of the most historic brew pubs in the country. Uh, in 2019, the Smithsonian curators went to the brewery, collected historic artifacts that best showcased the craft beer industry in the U.S. and included a 1980s Buffalo Bills tap handle topped with a vibrant orange pumpkin trinket. Uh, they were struggling going into the pandemic, uh, facing several bankruptcy scares, but they always found a way out and managed to stay afloat. Uh, the owner said, Buffalo Bills was always about the people. Uh, he said you shared your first dates, last dates, birthdays, anniversaries, celebrations, life. And he'll always treasure those memories and grateful that you shared them with us. Uh, and basically he's sad to be hanging up his brew boots. I mean... Maybe not last dates. I feel like last dates are always really awkward. Yeah. I was I mean, like, unless unless they're saying, like, this was, like, the last spot where you were dating before you got married or whatever. I don't no, know. that's not how I interpret it. Yeah, that's not I, place. Like, listen, um, I brought you here in public so you won't cry or make as big a scene as I know you would. It's <laughs> not me. It's you. Uh, <laughs> you are a biznatch. <laughs> But kind of sad to see kind of one of the OGs. And I mean, I guess this was kind of punishment for making such a shitty beer style. So, I mean, you you mean making an awesome beer style. (laughs) Don't tempt me, Tyler. I will. I will. Even if I have to next year, like store a bunch of pumpkin beer for an entire year, I will. uh, We will end us. We will end uh, 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 a a, uh, uh, going into a summer break. With a pumpkin beer uh, uh, blowout. I'll walk in, turn around, and walk out. You no, know you won't. You know, you'll be like, oh, fuck, I deserve this. <laughs> if you do that, then I'll do your seven layers of hell with different white claw flavors. I thought you were going to do that anyway. Yeah, I, I keep forgetting. A okay. lot of effort. Well, see, that's not, that, that's not a threat. That's just your uh, apathy taking over. That's We're in a Cold War situation here. <laughs> Except for I, I kind of court mutually assured destruction. Yeah. See, here's here's the thing, and uh, as you're about to have a kid, uh, you'll you, you know you might want to keep this in mind. Um, it's it's my policy to buy. Expect well, it's, it has been my policy up to this point in time to buy friends and relatives who are having children noisy, annoying fucking toys. Okay. Oh, I'm willing to throw it straight into the dump. So don't worry about that. And the reason for that is it is listen. If you know they already have they have the kid, um, you know when I have a kid, if I haven't already like laid that groundwork, then they have they have a, a first strike capability without retaliation. So I just went ahead and poisoned that well early, 
so that, I mean, when they do retaliate, and they have retaliated, and I deserve every single, <laughs> I deserve every single piece of retribution I've received. That's the point. I deserved it. Uh. <laughs> anyway, you might have a drum kit coming. Well, that's fine. I, I've got a fire pit in the backyard. <laughs> I'm not above it either. Jerry, what do we got next? Everything you know about the beer market is a lie news now. Okay, not everything, but as we head into the time of year where Americans kick back and try to get through this hot, horrible summer uh, by drowning their pain, maybe on a boat or something. And White Claw! And White Claw. Um, actually, includes White Claw. Um, but the the rumors about the beer market are flying, probably now this year more than they ever have. Um, you'll see an article from a medical group bemoaning how the increase in booze will have devastating effects uh, on the nation's health right next to an article about how Gen Z is literally destroying booze in front of us, like with axes and barrels in the gutter, Prohibition style. Yeah. Um, you'll read all about how hard seltzer is dead and long live non-alcoholic, the only thing anyone will be drinking uh, after those pesky Gen Zers take over. But the good people at Good Beer Hunting, and specifically Kate Bernat, uh, ran the numbers... And try to suss out what is really happening in the market. So, let's start with that first one. The competing claims that post-pandemic America is simultaneously drowning itself in booze while becoming a teetotaling nation. Um, and the short answer is, actually, neither. Um, alcohol consumption didn't change that much between today and 2019. Um, how we drank changed a lot in those years. Where we drank changed a whole fucking lot. Mm -hmm. um, especially around in and around 2020, but... If we're talking pure ethanol going into bloodstreams, not a big change. Um, during the pandemic, of course, bars got shut down. People flocked to the grocery stores to load up on a few 12-packs to ride out the storm. Which, yes, that made the total amount of alcohol sold at grocery stores shoot way up because they were the only ones that had the boozy mm -hmm. booze. And while there was some evidence that uh, people uh, locked away did uh, hit the booze a little bit harder than normal... This, this uh, data is somewhat anecdotal and based on surveys where they ask people how much they drank, which is, you know, shaky evidence. Here, let me prove it. Tyler, how much did you drink this week? More than you. Exactly. See? <laughs> no, actually, probably less than you. Uh, this is my first one. <laughs> well, this is my second one today. So, there you go. You're already... So, two for the week. So, actually... But on a... All for the week. For uh, the week. What's today? I rest my case. Uh, <laughs> and any change that did occur um, in that time didn't stick. Uh, here we are. It's 2022. Things are fine, I guess. And the numbers are very similar to what they were in 2019 or 2018. The Beer Institute, a trade group that represents breweries, uh, reported the total amount of beer shipped to distributors is nearly identical to uh, the same time four years ago. Um, the IRI, which does marketing reporting from chain retail reports, um, that beer and wine are slightly down in 2021 when compared to 2018, but that has more to do with a 27% increase in spirits and specifically canned cocktails. The RTDs. Exactly. So, I mean, again, yeah, the numbers have changed, but it's not that people are drinking, it's what people are drinking. And when it comes to Gen Z being a, a generation of sober fuss budgets, um, again, the numbers really don't back that up. About a third of Gen Z, and which, by the way, let's define that, at, you know, that's those born between 1997 and 2012, about a third of them are now hitting uh, legal drinking age. 
and the research company NIT found that about the same number are joining us down at the bar. Um, overall, 60% of drinking age adults regularly exercise that right, which has been pretty stable for nigh on 70 years. Um, and that hasn't changed more than 5% since 20,000, 2000, 20,000, the year 20,000, <laughs> nor has the percentage of Americans that report having a drink within the past 24 hours. That ranges between 26% and 40% given the, you know, depending on the day, um, and has been in that range since 1984. Okay. And even if some are, and, and some, even if some people are on and off the wagon, and again, you do have to take some of this reporting with some skepticism, um, although I'd feel the question, do you drink the booze, is easier than how much of the booze do you drink. Uh, also with less judgment. Do you drink the booze? Yes, I drink the booze. How much? Let's move. Next question, please. Um, but even if you take that. Right, who's asking? Even if you take that, my doctor, uh, three. <laughs> my doctor, more than you. Uh. <laughs> but even if you take that into consideration, uh, data compiled by the National Beer Wholesalers Association um, uh, says that the amount of ethanol per capita hasn't changed by more than a tenth of a gallon in either direction since 2000. Uh, it's held remarkably close to 2.5 gallons of ethanol per person per year. So, any report of excessive change of alcohol consumption has been greatly overrated. So there you go. All right. We're, we, we, we have not stopped drinking as a country, nor have, are, we, are we killing ourselves any more than we ever have. Fair enough. I mean, the hard part with those surveys, a lot of people lie. Like, I remember I had to do one of those for a health class in college, and it was anonymous, and I was like, okay, I'm going to... And, like, I blacked out, like, three times <laughs> that week. So I was like, you know what? I kind of hit it hard. I'm going to put, like, a little below my normal amount. <laughs> I just got an image of, like, Tyler just sitting there dying from a hangover. Like, I drink two a week. And they're, like, going, that hungover motherfucker. No. He, didn't, he didn't have two this morning. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I was like, okay. Well, he needed five just to get in here today. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's call it a 30 rack a week. <laughs> And it's like, you are, like, the top 1% excessive drinker. And I was like, <laughs> I underquoted that. I was like, that's not good. Um, all right, let's talk about hard seltzer. All the headlines are reading that hard seltzer is dead. Um, um, so that's all we need to know. Hard seltzer is dead. We can we can move on. Except, uh, I mean, the, what, where this really started was back in 20... Is, um, 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 where this basically started was the Boston Beer Company, um, uh, about a year back, um, dumped several million gallons of Truly. Which there was a logical reason for. We talked about it on this uh, uh, podcast. Uh, uh, check out episode 81, uh, Florida Fresh Hops and McKellar's Breaking Point. Um, and actually, we talked about it, uh, uh, talked about the reason when we did this story. Uh, it wasn't that the market for hard seltzer had disappeared. Um, it was that Sam Adams was banking on 2017 level growth in hard seltzer. And when you're taking growth from 2020, a record year of grocery store sales, and it kind of plateaus or dips a little, all of a sudden you're left holding a right. lot of hard seltzer. Um, but actually, I mean, let's keep in mind that that year truly actually grew by 31% retail dollars. Um, Retail dollars is different, though. Correct. Actual volume is a whole nother thing. 
because most breweries, distributors, and all that take a price increase every year. So retail dollars is a little bit of a kind of, we grew by this much. Well, how much of that growth was taking a price increase and how much was additional sales? I mean, the answer is probably, I mean, additional uh, additional sales were somewhere around, um, um, I mean, hard seltzer um, as a, and I'll get to, uh, uh, um, hard seltzer over the last year dropped about 3% in volume um and that year uh, i think the the um oh the uh, hard seltzer as a whole volume wise uh we're still respectable 14 percent. okay so but that's hard seltzer as a category so that's split up between bud light white claw them Vizzy, every other fucking hard seltzer so that was um that was last year now what what about you know What's been going on this year? Well, some data points uh, point to a slow dip over the last 52-week period. Uh, Nielsen, for example, shows a drop of 3% in chain retail stores, which is in line with other beer and can, and, and can be partially explained by drops in the largest brands uh, as customers branch out. White Claw is down 3%, but uh, uh, Tapo Chico is up 571%. Yeah, well, it's a new brand that the first, last year it was only in select markets this year, it's I mean, got wide that's, distribution. I mean, that, and that's the point. I mean, you, it's hard to, when you're saying percentage-wise. But the point is, is that White Claw went down. There are upstarts that are taking away that. Uh, Bud Light. Uh, Which uh, the Topo Chico hard seltzers are pretty fucking delicious. So. <laughs> I have not had one. It just they just it sounds terrible. They go down like a fat kid on a seesaw. Um, and if you, and by the way, if you if you're saying if you're looking at a, a, a an overall three percent dip in um, in hard seltzer as proof that no shit really, craft uh, uh, seltzer or I'm sorry hard seltzer is uh, is dead. Um, Nielsen reported that a nine percent uh, drop in craft beer uh, over the same fifty two week period. So if hard seltzer is dead, well, this has been it's all. <laughs> I was gonna say. The body's cold and it's covered in dirt for a craft beer then. Um, all right, the last one. Non-alcoholics are all the rage. Uh, there is some truth to this. Um, a couple of things have happened. Uh, Athletic went from the 65th largest craft brewery to 27th between 2000, between, uh, uh, sorry, between 2020 and 2021. Um, and Heineken uh, 0.0 surged ahead of the previous best-selling macro brand by almost double uh, in the last year. Um, it's worth remembering, but it's worth remembering, however, that non-alcoholic beer is still a very small percent of the market, about point zero six to be present. Or sorry, zero point six to be oh. exact. I was going to say point zero six, so kind of like the alcohol percentage they can have in it. Uh, but no, it's I. I think we're seeing a growing trend in non-alcoholic, but it's not people completely getting off the wagon and no longer drinking alcohol. It's people supplementing days of the week instead of drinking beer. They're drinking non-alcoholic and then drinking but there, beer. But there has been some talk um, that the that the non-alcoholic sector could reach as high as five percent. Um, although that has uh, longtime watchers um, very skeptical, um, based on part because I didn't, didn't know this until I started digging into it. AB InBev made a pledge. Um, uh, a few years ago for 20% of its total beer volume to be low or non-alcoholic beer by 2025. Okay. What do they define as low? Um, under th- uh, 3% or, or below. Okay. Um, we are three years away um, and they are at 6%. 
Yeah, I don't think they're gonna hit that. Um, I mean, six percent is 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 not bad, but uh, and but twenty percent is a lofty goal. And if and if AB and Bev uh, can't swing that, then I doubt the industry as a whole is gonna is gonna move that direction. I guess what I'm saying is there are some really interesting things happening in this sector, and clearly uh, people are discovering a market that that pe- people didn't know was there. But after pontificating about how uh, um, you know how to- how the totality of alcohol consumption hasn't dipped. It's probably not enough to uh, uh, cause uh, cause many waves. But again, back in 2017, I dismissed hard seltzer as something stupid, and it was going to fizzle out almost immediately. So take that for its worth. Uh, but hard seltzer is dead now. So who was right eventually? <laughs> who was right eventually? Eventually, if you say it's a fad, it's going to fizzle out. It's a fad, it's going to fizzle out. Eventually, you're going to hit one of them. I mean, eventually... The broken clock's right twice a day, Jeremy. I mean, eventually the sun uh, sun explodes and we all die. But And before that happens, uh, we were in our to our next beer. Um, uh, it's actually a, a new brewery in town in the market, Lead Dog Brewing, um, from Sparks, Nevada. Um, this is their uh, orange, uh, uh, orange wheat beer, the Fade to Orange. And it smells very orangey. Now I dig that. I mean, not bad. Got a lot of orange flavor, slightly tart, um, s- smooth wheat base, good mouthfeel. I mean, it's not my favorite, but for what it is, it's eat solid on a patio in the summer. Or? It's it's. Do you want to do you want a, a, a an orange wheat beer? And if you do, this will probably satisfy that craving. Yeah. And if you don't, I'm still tasting the double IPA. I, 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 maybe it's because uh, uh, my palate's been completely wrecked over the last week, but that still struck me as pretty bitter. Really? Yeah. Didn't think it was hardly bitter at all. It was piney. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was it was piney, resiny. It had a good body to it, but I might also again. I, my body might be going. No, you are not having <laughs> your your quota for uh, uh, for hoppy beers is up, and I mean for the year. <laughs> I was gonna say your body's tasting this, and it's like I don't know if it's Fanta or beer. I don't know what to do about this. <laughs> uh, Tyler, what do you got for us? Well, you know what's the new hot trend. Uh, non-alcoholic beer. I just I just went over that. No, 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 no. Making beer made out of piss. I mean, no, no, no. You make beer into piss. No, 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 no. And then when you pee, you make that into beer. They did that. It's called Bud Light. <laughs> well, a brewery over in Singapore uh, is released a new beer. Uh, not made directly out of piss. It's okay, guys. Uh... But, but it, piss was involved. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, piss is always involved in drinking beer. So it's the introduction of new brew. Uh, it's going to appear and taste like usual beer, but it has an unconventional twist to it. The brewery's unique craft beer is made using new water. Uh, Singapore's brand of clean, high-quality water recycled from sewage and urine. So uh, about 95% of new brew is made up of new water, which not only adheres to international standards for safe drinking water, but is also tested clean enough to use for brewing beer. It's a beer with toasted honey-like aftertaste. So someone was drinking uh, some mead before they peed. Uh, (laughs) Mead before they peed. Yep. Uh, 
They use German barley, um, citra, and calypso hops, as well as the Vec yeast, um, or Vake. I can't remember how. Vake. Kvake. Fake. Basically, basically, as I understood how you pronounce it, is you is, quake, but with a V. I mean, well, say say quake in the worst Scandinavian accent you can uh, uh, you can muster. You know, so, so it's perfect. It's it's perfect fun to go. Oh yes, I'll take the quake yeast. <laughs> so they use that yeast strain um, in this beer, um, and it seems to be getting a lot of run right now. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> But um, it's been labeled as Singapore's greenest beer, and apparently Singapore has a huge problem. they're drinking in Singapore that the beer is green. Uh, <laughs> it's a huge problem actually getting Cut clean, back on the broccoli, Singapore. Clean water over in Singapore. And so they're partnered with this brewery to make this beer to try to encourage people to start using the recycled water and showcasing that it can be effective, which... It made me remember Boise did something like this a couple years ago. Uh, right. Was it Mad Swede that made beer so, from gray water or something? So Mad Swede, there was like six breweries because they reached out to a bunch of different breweries. And so six breweries did it. And then they had a little like beer fest with all six breweries to sample and show it off. I want to say it was Mad Swede's Sunstone that I remembered. But yeah, it, they had a truck come in and it basically... Took the sewage water, reverse osmosed it like 16 times to get it clean, uh, tested it, made sure it was good, and then gave the breweries each like so many gallons of water to brew a beer specifically with that. And I was like, oh, I forgot. When I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, Boise did something like that. I was like, it was a fun little kind of gimmicky thing. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day... It doesn't matter, as long as it's clean, potable water. It doesn't matter where the fuck it came from. You I mean, can it, beer it, with it, it was piss at some point in time, regardless of where you got your yeah. water. So, you know, it's, so. it's just the scale of your recycling center is is uh, is the only question. Yeah, but if you find yourself over in Singapore, you can have your own piss your water? own beer. I was gonna say piss water, or a piss in there. You just you you have that one just just waiting. locked and loaded. Yeah. Um, you gotta wait a few months for the dad jokes, but uh, way to practice. No problem. Jeremy, what do we got next? Uh, beer from the sea news now. Um, and you know, who says uh, a beer can't help your career? Uh, uh, Peter, uh, Pusarek, and by the way, I'm going to just assume that's the, how you pronounce it. Listen, he comes from, uh, uh, Eastern Europe where they go crazy with the umlauts and the accent. I, th- I think trolling the rest of the world cause they are just, I'm. You look at how they write things. There's a whole alphabet above the letters. Yeah. Right. And you're like, so, hmm. so we're going with a, a, a Pusarek. Um, uh, he's an engineer and ecologist from uh, Split, Croatia. Uh, he graduated the master's degree this year with a dissertation on brewing beer from yeast isolated from the ocean, and then proved that brewing beer with it could be done. Uh, this actually comes from the journal Nature by Maria Bolovich. Uh, Pusarek was was, as one might expect, an avid home brewer, but he hit upon the idea of brewing beer with sea yeast during a conversation with his undergraduate mentor. It started with a discussion about marine microbiology. The subject of yeast came up, and I'm pretty sure you can guess how this conversation mm-hmm. went down over some beer. Like, I wonder if you can brew beer with this. I mean, it, it makes sense you would be able to, as long as it's 
the right strain of yeast. Exactly. Um, uh, he did some research, and he couldn't find a single instance, however, of someone successfully brewing beer with yeast harvested from the ocean. Um, and that idea, like so many weird ones, stuck around until he began his master's course. Um, he was actually working at the Split Brewery Lab at the time and decided he was just going to be trying time to give this a shot. And the process was basically this. Take a sample of ocean water, try to isolate specific yeast samples, grow them, and see if one of those yeasts will eat sugar and make alcohol and all those other wonderful things that yeast does. Um, it took several tries. In fact, C. bacteria was the biggest problem as it tended to overtake any yeast growth, which mm. interfered with the process of isolating just one strain of yeast. But with some creative growth mediums, they isolated a strain of Candida fumata, a strain of yeast that's not unheard of in fermentation. In fact, it's often used in cheese making and has been found in some beer. Specifically, the barrel-aged Lecoq Imperial Stout from Harvey's Brewery in southern England. Oh. Now... That's most likely a product of some uh, fortuitous infection in their barrel program. Um, and they don't brew a beer with only this species of yeast. And it is a mm -hmm. different species of yeast. We're not yeah. talking, it's, it's, like, it's like the difference between, I mean, you have different strains of um, uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Mm -hmm. um, but they're all the same species. It's like throwing Britannomyces in. Britannomyces would be a good example of a completely different yeast species. Yes. Um, so what did it taste like? Uh, Pissarik described subtle clove and fruit aromas with a slightly tart flavor. Um, it didn't carry any the taste of the sea, which makes sense. I mean, why would it? Mm -hmm. um, he described it as closest to being like a sour beer. So um, it'd be more closely related, I'm assuming, to Britannomyces, one of the strains of... Flavor compound-wise, yes. I mean, you know, um, uh, I think... Uh, I think as a strain is its own its own thing because Brettanomyces oh. is not known for its tartness. It's just known for being funky. Funky and yeah. You usually get the tartness from lactic acid uh, fermentation. Lactobacillus. And... Yeah, well, any type of bacterial lactic yeah. acid fermentation. Um, this one apparently produced some tartness by itself. Okay. Um, the beer was named Sea Cucumber, um, or the Croatian equivalent thereof. And although it's not expected to be a regular feature at the Split Brewery, Prasarik says he hopes that this experiment will drive interest in the, into the ecology of the ocean and hopes it will lead to the discovery of other useful microorganisms that might produce something besides beer. But, hey, beer is good, too. Nice. Well, move over, James Cameron. Uh, <laughs> someone else is exploring the depths. You were working on that the entire time I was talking, weren't you? No, just about you, the last second. You were really proud of that, and you shouldn't have been. <laughs> Like what are you? What are you doing? <laughs> doing everything, Tyler. What's you're kicked off the pocket? Well, actually, what's your next story? Well, we're kind of sticking with the trend here of off ingredients. Uh, there's a new ingredients uh, that's a Filipino staple that's starting to become a big trend in craft beer. Uh, it's a purple yam from the Philippines called ube um and it's been very prevalent in filipino sweets uh used in a lot of foods cocktails around the world and now craft brewers are kind of grabbing it and starting to run with it um couple breweries they mentioned in the vine pair article uh tilted bash brewing in elk grove california uh started uh integrating this uh they said you know, you can now find it in ice cream at Trader Joe's. 
So they thought, fuck it, let's make a beer. Uh, gives off kind of that purple hue. Uh, so they're doing the... There's some there's some pictures of it, and we'll, I'll, I'll either use yeah. them as, uh, as the uh, as the uh, cover picture for this podcast, or po- probably put it on Instagram. But I mean, it is a, it is a deep purple beer. Like, yeah, it is like that is that is a beer that uh, that uh, uh, Prince or the form, the artist formerly known as Prince or the corpse for the uh, uh, formerly known as Prince would be proud of. Oh yes, uh, so the beer is the Ubebe Cheesecake. An 8% ABV Imperial Sour with graham crackers, cheesecake, vanilla, and, of course, ube. It's got a stomachache when you describe it. Oh, dude. Uh, The Del Rosario said it was an immediate hit, sold out in a weekend, with the second batch sold out in two days. Uh, Third batch that was brewed, apparently, in Tracy, California, there is an ube festival. Uh, (laughs) No, there isn't. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And... They sold completely out of that batch in two hours. That is the most hipster thing I've ever heard of. We're going to have an Ube festival. (laughs) And uh, he said his phone is still blowing up from that event because people can't find it. And he said, I promise if I made a whole pallet of it again today, that pallet wouldn't make it through the week. Good Christ. Uh, There was uh, other breweries they mentioned uh, that are tapping into that familial culture uh with their filipino roots uh kind of leaning in being familiar with it and food and that from their childhood and wanting to use that in some of their beers uh, ube won an 8.2 percent imperial brown lager mm, with coconut hurts my head <laughs> or, that was the ipa there eight percent imperial brown lager is the ube macapono delight <laughs> Uh, and more and more breweries throughout California are actually starting to grab it and run with it uh, because it does really give that bright color um, but there are certain ways that you have to do it one brewery they were talking to uh, home brewing company uh, decided to brew his own ube beer after tasting one of the ube beers and was pleasantly surprised by the result. His first attempts were not very successful, though. Uh, so he initially boiled down, dehydrated, and then blended the ube into a powder and used it during the boil. He said this was a huge fail and made the wort taste like potato. Uh, huh. And then uh, he eventually reached out to Harlan's Brewing Company uh, brewing team, how they managed to retain the sweetness and color without the yummy taste, um, and switched to their method using ube powder instead of fresh whole ubes. Uh, that tweak turned out to be the ticket. Um, how the hell do you get extract ube powder? I have no fucking clue. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming you just buy it. Someone's made an ube powder. I'm. Why would you have an ube powder? Is it like instant potatoes? I don't know. Dude, you must. You. you this is your story. You must know. Well, I'm assuming it's like cryo hops, but with a fucking potato. <laughs> uh, cryo hops with the fucking potatoes, the name of my new punk band. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and they came out and it was a hit. It was pretty straightforward. Uh, they treat it like a dry hop, uh, adding it towards the end of fermentation. And uh, they he named the beer U 
dot b dot e uh, unfamiliar but enjoyable uh, <laughs> really that was my that was my dating profile as well <laughs> uh, and it seems like predominantly it's california and hawaii that have begun experimenting with the flavor uh and outside of california there are a couple on the west coast but it's predominantly those two states right now that are sitting there with that uh and just trying to really tap into that culture and i'm like that's awesome i know the last brewery i worked at we had tried to come up with a fucking blue beer and so we tried using pea flowers uh like it's a from thailand it's this flower it'll turn water just a real nice bright blue and it's used in teas Mm mm-hmm Tried that in a beer. The color of the grain had basically turned it into what looked like dirty dishwater. Yeah. Tasted fine, but wasn't the right color. And then so we kicked around trying to use either red cabbage or purple potatoes to try to kind of counteract and turn the yellow into more of a bluish. But it then started getting too deep into the color wheel and we said, fuck this, it's too much work. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you went with like a real light, dry, colorless, almost rice lager. I mean, or a shit ton of wheat. Yeah. I mean, I'd do it too, I think. To a lesser extent, but. Yeah. So. It was. You basically were going to have to find like the lowest love of items, grains to try to brew this and get your sugars from while not affecting any of the color. Uh, which I was like, yeah, no, this is a, sounded like a fun gimmick, but, uh, I mean, not worth it. Uh, a blue beer is mentioned in the BJCP style guidelines, um, in the, especially IPA section, uh, they, uh, they, they, they say that, uh, they basically have IPA, um, they have Imperial IPA. They do now have hazy IPA. That's a, that's a, uh, a change, uh, as of, uh, the, this year, actually. Oh, shit. Um, but then they have like a whole bunch of what they call special, the specialty IPA sections, which is you know uh, black IPA, red IPA, white IPA, rye IPA, etc., etc., etc. They basically said this is the this is the category used for any sort of uh, variation on IPA, and they specifically like they start you could you can see them starting to lose hope because this is for like you know this IPA that are and they say Klingon blue IPA or some shit. <laughs> They don't say or some shit, but they stop just short of it. Ugh. And they're like, we had to make this because this motherfucker kept adding it. Uh, <laughs> so I guess if you're saying, if you have a, if you have made a Klingon blue IPA, um, send it to a It's All Beer. and uh, Let's try it. We'll try it. We will try it. We'll give it a fair shake. Or if you have your hands on an Ube beer, send it to us because I kind of want to try this. Fair enough. Uh, Tyler, anything else for us today? Nope. Uh, oh. One final thing. Uh, I just saw a notification for this and I had to look it up. We have some exciting news to announce. What's uh, White Claw and Blue Moon had a baby. <laughs> called the White Tide. Oh my god. So, uh, yeah, I guess I'll uh, 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 do something on that. <laughs> Blue Moon and, and Hard Seltzer, they went together, they made sweet love, and what is it? It, it is... I, I don't fucking know. It's a the Belgian white. It's a Belgian wheat ale for, according to what Josh Knoll from the Chicago Tribune tweeted out, he goes, yes, this is real. It's an Aldi brand, and I can't believe it exists. 
I mean, so thank you for dropping that uh, uh, last note on. Uh, from, <laughs> we did you realize that we just did an entire episode that had no bad, really bad news. So hopefully, some interesting news, some you know, some some developments, but no real like so and so was. That's how we know we're getting into the summer months because everyone's too busy to fuck up. <laughs> Again, Brew Dogs started their fuck ups in June about uh, about this time last year. Um, and then they haven't... Then they got quiet over the summer, and when the colder no, months hit, they was, just kept doubling down. That's when, that's when, uh, 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 uh not great. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to get sued by Stone. <laughs> but, uh, shit. I told him to go fuck himself many, many times. Who's the brood dog guy? <laughs> James Watt? Thank you, James Watt. <laughs> Has had a brain fart. That's when James Watt was getting his, uh, rooftop makeouts done. Mmm... You know. Yeah, like I said, too busy. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been uh, It's All Beer. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, uh, we are on uh, Twitter. We uh, uh, look at that look at that, and uh, get a lot of our stories from there. We post all the stories we use to make this podcast. Uh, it's All Beer 1. Um, you can get, uh, we have an Instagram account and a Facebook account uh, where we post random things, episode updates, funny pictures, um, t- pictures of Tyler's junk. Uh, that's on, uh, uh, you can find us on It's All Beer. Um, what are you showing me? I am your father, Hazy IPA with Ube. Yeah. Well, that's, that's just disturbing. Um, uh, uh, email. You can get a hold of us. Uh, send, send your Ube recipes uh, to us at uh, itsallbeer at gmail.com. I think Jeremy should have to brew an Ube beer, and we criticize it on the podcast. I mean, I need to get my hands on Ube. and Trader Joe's has it. And then I also need to give a shit. And I'm, I have, I probably get, I probably can go get one of those things. Um... And also, if you want to leave us, if if, if, you, if you want to leave us a review, in fact, someone did actually recently. Uh, it's been a little while since I checked, but um, uh, Nutmeg St- uh, Nutmeg Stater um, uh, left us a review. A professional perspective on beer industry delivered by in an unrefined manner, definitely worth a listen for those who don't take the craft beer industry too seriously. That is the nicest thing I've ever heard anyone say about us. <laughs> Which, I mean, that's right up there with, uh, we got another review that's basically the, the correct amount of uh, uh, information and stupid. Which, again, I think is what we're going for. So, uh, thank you very much for... Uh, I'm going to order you some Uve powder off Amazon, and you need to brew a beer for this podcast. You're you're really stretching the bounds of my give a shit. Okay, fine. Do it, and I'll try to get it done when we come back from summer break. Um, and that'll be... Uh, 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 quite enough from us. Uh, I'm Jeremy Jones. I'm Tyler Zimmerman. I'm apparently going to brew a new baby here. Have fun. Have fun.